Hello, and you are very welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast, brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout the series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. So today in the studio, I'm joined by Nicola McGuinness, owner of Nicola McGuinness Coaching. Nicola, I actually am genuinely so pleased to have you in the podcast studio today. You're very welcome. Oh my goodness, no pressure. No pressure, (laughs) but I love what you do and I can't wait to get stuck into the conversation. But before we begin, a little bit of background into Nicola and her business. So... Nicola is a sought-after career and confidence coach whose mission is to empower women to live an inspired life and love what they do. Nicola helps women who struggle with low self-belief to discover their true potential. She helps them transform from the inside out by rediscovering themselves, developing their confidence, belief in their abilities and getting clarity on what they want in life, then taking action to make it happen. Her clients range from CEOs to those mid-career, female business owners, women returners and women who want a total career change. Nicola is the founder and leader of the Lean In Nuri Network that has almost 450 members. As a Lean In regional leader, Nicola and her team support their members to achieve their ambitions and work to create a more equal world. She has 20 plus years of experience in project management and business and economic development before she trained as a coach and set up her own coaching business. So Nicola, as I said, I'm really pleased to talk to you because I'm very interested in coaching myself. But I think just from your story, we can learn so much about setting up a business and how life can lead you on a journey that perhaps you didn't set out on, but you end up somewhere else. And I think that's very true with you. Unbelievably so. Um, Sarah, you've really hit the nail on the head and the way that my life has transformed. Um, And I find very much with the women that I work with um, and people in general that we foreclose on who we are very early on in life and we decide who we are and that's just who I am and I can't be anything else and and that that was part of my story you know um, I had lived in New York for a while after university then came home to get married as many people did 20 odd years ago um, and settled then into a public sector role and stayed there for 20 years and um, you know at that stage, some people were, I was getting the rumblings of, gosh, I don't want to get stuck here. I was feeling really stuck. But what else could I do? Because in my mind, I had already decided I'm a public sector worker, full stop, end off. And it's so hard to envision yourself as anything else because you just see yourself as you are presently. And we don't have the techniques or the tools to keep that visioning going to see who are you. You just tell yourself stories all the time. You know, I'm not that type of person. I could never do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something I'm good at. Are you joking? That's you, you don't even know me. How could you think I could be this, that and the other? And so I was very much close-minded into what I could do and also I didn't have the self-confidence to make that change and that's what I see in the clients that I have so yes I've learned over the last couple of years to never say never. So 
you worked in the public sector. Did you work in the one job or did you move around? So I was a long time in um, an operational front, so working with companies face-to-face and delivering the programmes. And then um, in an effort to, I suppose, grow within my own career, I took an opportunity in the research side of it. And looking back now, I know that... You know, there's never a wrong move, really, because we always learn from things that we do. Mm. However, it was very much unsuited to my values. And that then played out in that whole feeling of being stuck and unfulfilled and unhappy. And on the outside, people could see that I had a really good job, close to home, flexible, pensionable, um, steady, all those things. Perfect so life. Perfect life, yes. Why would she go and change exactly. that? Exactly. And, you know, um, we're all taught to be thankful for what you have and, sure, what have you got to complain about? But inside, I was just so unfulfilled. I had this feeling that, is this the end of where my career? You know, I, I, the biggest thing was I don't want to have this looking back on my retirement and thinking, you know, Nicola, 20 years ago you had an opportunity to do something, you just didn't. And, you know, also we have learned to accept mediocrity and being average and, and accepting what we have because there's so many people out there much, le- much less off. And where does that come from, Nicola? Is that our society? I or do is believe. That us? I believe, uh, well, it's a mixture of both, Sarah. Definitely our society in terms of, you know, if you're not in pain, then just get on with it. (laughs) And so the pain, I was in pain. Stop complaining. Yeah, stop complaining. But people from the outside, you know, even when I spoke to my husband about it, he was like, what, what? Why would you want to leave your job? He couldn't understand it. And I was like, just feel so unfulfilled, like there's a life not lived yet. However, at the same time, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what change I wanted to make. Right, and so I didn't that's have massive. So yeah. I was going to ask you then, so why coaching or how did that come about? But you just had this burning sense of, I'm not supposed to be here anymore Yeah. <laughs> in this particular job. I need to do something else. What did you do? Um, I was very lucky. Um, I, I, I obviously went out searching for fulfilment because I knew no one was going to come to me and say, here, there's yourself a platter with your wonderful job on it. And I did a master's and that didn't satisfy the craving. And I then went on a course called Grit and Grace through Women in Business. And it really opened my mind to this idea about um, gender inequality and the differences between men and women and their leadership styles. That was a new concept to me, but I had a It kind of lit something in me that day that I didn't even know. So talk to me a little bit about that, because there'll be many people listening to this now going, that's me, I'm listening to my life. Talk to me about grit and grace. Um, So that was a, a course that was for females only. And for me, walking into a room with only women and realizing that every other woman in that room felt the same way. It was the first time I'd heard the phrase imposter syndrome. Um... The, the phrase lean in was mentioned to me at that stage. I'd never heard of that before either. Um, and I remember distinctly walking out of the room that day and feeling like I could take on the world because those women were in that room to support each other. And I knew that we were all feeling the same way. I wasn't the only person feeling that way about my career. Um, and I just thought, wow, this is, this is a whole new take on life to have people that are supporting you. And also, again, it, it lit up that fire around gender equality, which I'm very passionate about too. Um, and, and that I suppose the rose-coloured glasses came off that day. So back in the, in the day job, did you feel that you weren't equal? 
I never had that feeling of equality in my role, no. Um, I never saw the inequalities in the world until that day. And I'm actually embarrassed to even say that. Um, I thought, you know, I had a great life. I had no real challenges or issues. Um, and so I had nothing to complain about in my, in my day job. It wasn't about that. It was more about the society around me. And it was so funny because the whole journey home, I could spot it. I was looking at billboards that had all men on them. I remember going to my mum's later on that evening and the news was on and it was about the World Economic Forum and literally there was a stage full of about 40 women and two, or sorry, 40 men <laughs> and two women. And like I say, the rose-coloured glasses were gone and I couldn't unsee the world how, how it is. And that just sparked a whole other area of interest to me, kind of an aside from the, the coaching story. <laughs> So you were literally drawn to the light, if, if you like. So what did you do then? Yes, so I remember um, speaking with my manager at the time. She was a wonderful mentor to me in my job. Um, and she said to me, you know, Nicola, you're going to have to have some sort of an output from this programme. And I was raving about leaning at the time. And she said, why don't you start leaning? And I did have that voice in my head telling me to do it. So let's just explain leaning for those who don't know. That's the movement... Um, uh, I suppose, started by Cheryl Sandberg. That's right. Want to just tell us a bit about that? So Cheryl was... um had a fairly high position in Google and then moved on to Facebook to be the CFO. But what she recognised was that the higher she rose up through the ranks of the, the I suppose, the C-suite, the, the less and less women were holding roles of influence and power, I suppose. And um, she did a TED Talk about it, which led her to then write a book, which then led to the establishment of Circles. And the Circles were her idea of getting women in a room, a small group of women in a room, to talk about their careers and keep women involved in their careers. Because very much we face, as females in the work environment, a lot of unconscious bias and inequality. And also we have, within ourselves, um, a lot of responsibilities, or we'll talk ourselves out of doing things because potentially we're getting married, we might have a child, or we'll wait until the child goes to primary school before I go for that role and we hold ourselves back as well and her idea Cheryl's idea was to keep women in the workforce in order to combat the gender equality but also to thrive in their careers and reach their full potential and the way to do that was to support each other through our careers by getting together in circles and so I started a lean-in circle with lots of imposter syndrome who am I to do this um, and then I just thought well you know what who am I not to and mm-hmm. sure it could be a bit of crack just with a couple of girls and what was it like when you started it oh my goodness that first meeting so nervous did a lot of prep and um, the lean in is great they have a lot of support for you so here's your first meeting you could talk about this I had actually used a lot of the um content from the grit and grace course again about the differences between men and women's brains and their leadership styles and things like that um, and I had five colleagues and that was in the June of 2018 and by the January of 2019 I met Cheryl Sandberg <gasps> I was in the room with her, having a chat with her, so that was phenomenal. And what was she like? She's tiny, but a force to be reckoned with. And I had this fear of, you know, they say, never meet your idols or your heroes. And I thought, I don't want to be disappointed. She was phenomenal. And she walked into the room, kicked off her shoes and stood there in her bare feet, eating like a bag of nuts and chatting to us as if she was, as if you and I were just chatting now. And this was like, here is my leader. (laughs) Um, Obviously, she herself has been through incredible challenges in her own life and when she started leaning she was a very different person than she perhaps evolved into like we all do on our life journeys but she lost her 
her husband very tragically and yeah. she was dealing with, with grief. Have you seen her since? Um, I Have I seen her? Yes. Well, actually, I haven't seen her, but I've seen her partner, Rachel Thomas. I was on a panel with Rachel then, six months after that again. So you can see, you know, Lingnan was has been amazing for my own personal development and career. Um, and Rachel is the CEO now of Lean In. So, and yes, I do see Rachel. She comes on to like a quarterly meeting for her Lean In leaders and we get to chat with her and she's very present and, you know, um, still very much involved in and wanting to see the growth of it. So in Yuri, we are now um, up to 450 members. That's amazing. That's all through word of mouth. Now, um, but they're not all, obviously, they don't all turn up for a meeting. Yeah. Where, where do you host <laughs> these meetings, I was going to say? No. Um, and we, we were, the growth has been phenomenal. And all through COVID, it was just so heartwarming to see our members stepping up and saying, look, you know, I'm uh, an accountant and I know all about the financial assistance. How can I help? Can I take a webinar on this? Gosh. I'm a wellbeing expert. Can I take a webinar on this? So the support while people were at home going through what we were with COVID was amazing. And now we're back face to face and we're really building up that whole networking um, feeling of having that tribe that's supporting you. So we're always welcome to new members if anyone's listening as well. What I was going to say, <laughs> if there is anybody listening, you know, be daunting enough when you're thinking oh gosh I don't mightn't know anybody here I'm sure in Yuri though <laughs> lots of people know everyone else but you know how do you take how do you be brave and take that first step yeah and I hear that from people because I'm always promoting lean in through all of my roles and all of my hats and people say oh, I don't know I couldn't walk into a room full of women I'm like you absolutely can because we've all been in that boat and um, we're honestly you're walking into a room full of the most supportive friendly women that just know exactly what you're going through and it's hugely important if you want to grow in your career to have the right network around you I know that more than anybody else my tribe of supporters and females um have I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them and what do you do? Where do you meet at Lean In? So, we, like I said, we've just been going back to face-to-face and we've generally been meeting in the bank bar in Yuri. Um, we're planning at the minute our International Women's Day. We're just trying to get our keynote speaker and we want to do an event for that. Um, so, you know, it's all down to the resources. There's just me and three other women on the team that are helping me um, and we do what we can within our resources. There's no there's no funding. It's all voluntary. So we tend to meet about four to five times a month. But you can find us on Facebook and, you know, contact me at any time. So Lean In has been fabulous, not only for you seeing the benefits in in other women who come along and get that support and be part of that network and that circle, but how did it help you then launch your own business and take that step out of the leaving the job? Yeah, it absolutely was the Kickstarter. Um, it opened my mind then to um, a whole world outside of the four walls of the public sector, which I was I was blind to because I was there for so long um, and and kept myself you know, talking myself out of it, I suppose, in anything. Um, and so I was mingling and surrounding myself by these inspiring, go-getting women. And I realised, oh my goodness, there is a whole world outside there. Um, and the same women were coming back to me and saying, Nicola, we think you'd make a great coach. And I was like, you don't even know me. It's like me saying to you, sir, in five years' time, you c- you're going to be an astrophysicist, you know. Uh. It's so hard to wrap your head around that. And I was very lucky then through my connections, I was able to get a couple of coaching sessions, which was very new to me because I thought that was just a whole world of for chief executives and what have you. And I had the most wonderful coach. And um, he had dropped in the conversation more times, Nicola, I think you'd be a great coach again. So then COVID hit. 
and I was left then without my lovely colleagues that I worked with and the lovely the building that we had and I was at home and I was left with the work and the work was very much not aligned to my values. I know that now. You know, I'm, I'm a people person but I was working in research, working with statistics and really <laughs> feeling miserable. Miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, right, I said... If I'm going to do this coaching thing, I'll do it now. This is the time. This, this is, is the it. universe providing. Absolutely. <laughs> and it has done so much m- more time since that. So that first day of that first training session, I that feeling inside of my body was like I had arrived home. It's like I found something that I didn't even know that I was looking for. So you started to train to become a coach? Yes. During that time. And how did you go about that? I mean, start with also explaining what is coaching? This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries, from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. Well, I suppose if I, if I give you my experience of working with my coach, and I can talk about my own um, methods and what have you going forward with my own clients, but um, honestly, if I could phrase it in one line, it's someone holding up a mirror to you to get you to see the reality of who you are and the potential with inside of you so we've lots of emotions attached to ourselves and we we tell ourselves lots of stories throughout our lives um which are generally generally negative and limiting to our potential so i can't do this i'm this i'm not that's i'm not that type of person i'm not good at this or that would never be me and all those stories that of course i have told myself too and uh, my coach was able to say, but Nicola, you know, he, you ex, you've done X, Y, and Z. You are, you are this type of person. I see you on the cusp of a uh, runway ready to take off and all these lovely phrases that really built my self-belief and confidence. And every session was, I suppose, it's, you could say it was feeding my ego, but really feeding my self-belief. And I needed that support. I needed to be able to see myself through someone else's eyes to see, oh, do you know what, yeah, actually, you know, I think I would could re- do that or I do have the potential to do those sort of things and and it's the accountability so and that's a big part of my role as a coach you know women will come to me they've probably tried things themselves and have got nowhere and knowing that they have a session and they have to do the work in between the session they're coming back to me and I'm going to be asking them yes. and they're taking that action that they've talk themselves out of for so long Mm -hmm. Um, so the accountability is a huge part of it and also you are a thinking partner so the idea behind coaching is that you as an individual have everything inside of you to answer the questions and um, for you to do whatever you want to do and my role is to be your thinking partner not to ask you the deep questions that you would never ask for yourself or wouldn't know to ask yourself to open up to get you to become open-minded we're quite close-minded people when it comes to ourselves and our potential so it's opening up your mind to the possibilities and then helping you take those small steps it is incredible when you think about it and maybe this will resonate with a lot of the listeners today if you were sitting looking at at a page in front of you and you'd um, needed to write down your strengths and weaknesses would we probably go to those weaknesses first of all wouldn't we oh well I can't do this and I'm not very good at that and all, all of those things what is that about and is that more so the case with women than men? 
Yeah, it's a great question, Sarah. And um, I suppose generally we are um, biased to the negative. So we're hardwired to think of the negative, hardwired to think of the worst case scenario. And we're very quick to talk ourselves out of taking action and doing something, thinking of all these lovely reasons why we can't do something. And it's all backed up by the fear, that fear of judgment, what people mm. will think about us. Um, and so, and the other thing then, in, in suppose particular to women, is that we very much underestimate our achievements. Whereby, if we're going to compare to men, they um, quite often overestimate their achievements. So, obviously, I'm generalising here, um, but there's lots of research to back up those assumptions as well. Um, so, yes, we play small. We've been conditioned to put ourselves at the bottom of our own list. So, um, think of others. Um, you know, work, put the head down, work hard. We seek approval because we've been educated with a yes and a no answer, right and a wrong. We get that approval, we seek further approval, we're afraid to take risks. Then we, we, like I say, talk ourselves out of things. So there's lots of nuances behind the female gender and why they don't do things as opposed to, to men. And being able to make decisions ourselves but for, for our own good, rather than people pleasing or because, you know, I make this decision which will be not to take that job because it perhaps wouldn't be good for the family or good for somebody else or I'll feel guilty. There's so many of those limiting um, situations or beliefs that we have about ourselves. So coaching then, it's not counselling. Oh, no, absolutely not. So, again, it's, it's um, very much working with you in the present and working towards your future goals. Kind so of if anybody came in um, and wanted to make an appointment, I'm just thinking, if there are any sceptics out there going, well, if I'm going to pay you by the hour, of course you're going to say nice things to me and tell me <laughs> I'm brilliant. But will I see results? Will I get results? The thing I like to be very clear about up front whenever people, you know, call me and we have the conversation is, and it's generally women who want to change in their careers, either pivot, um, grow in their career, move industries, um, they don't know what they want, um, and I, it's, it's a process, It's I don't have all the answers, that's not my role, all the answers are inside of you, and it depends on the work that you put into it, and I know that sounds like a wee bit of a cop-out, but the best results I see are from the clients that put the work in, and we're not used to actually working cognitively on ourselves and that personal development we're quite lazy and so we stick to the things that don't serve us even though we know that they're wrong so it's hard work I get you to do a lot of um, internal work so by the time a client comes to me um, they feel lost in some way or another whether they've lost their own identity because of all the roles that they play between a mother a sister daughter friend partner whatever it may be um, and they're like I don't even know who I was but yet when I was 20 years old I wanted to conquer the world and it's about you know bringing them back to the core of who they are and what's important to them and that's work and then it's work around um the clarity work you know what where your strengths lie where you get your energy from what does it feel like when you're in flow and you look up and it's five o'clock you're like oh my god where'd that day go those is finding all those things that you don't take the time to do on your own so it's not like I would say you're going to say to yourself oh um this evening I'm just going to pour a glass of wine and go into the room here and work on my values okay everybody give me the R here you know so again it's back to that accountability to get you to do the work you answer to me you move forward um stuff that you you will never find the space and time for because your life is so busy and you've done that as well on your own coaching journey um, and the results have been incredible. And now I would bet that you're not clock watching every day. I mean, every day 
I wake up and I say, I get to do X, Y, and Z. And that's that real intrinsic motivation that people need to love their jobs. So every day is so different for me. And I get to meet, again, you know, back to that whole idea of me being a people person and working um, with people in the public. And, and, and the research was so misaligned to that. So I get to meet new people every day. Um, I get to develop relationships. I, I don't even know what my next month's going to look like. The opportunities are coming fast and furious. And that energy is just aflamed inside of me, really, you know. I'm so excited for the future and so excited for every day. And and in order to help me in my own self-belief, my results, my clients get results. I was going to say, is there anything you can tell us about without breaching any confidentiality? But what's been, you know, when do you get that? Oh, wow, that's incredible. I just love what I do because you see the results. Yeah, literally only yesterday evening, I got a message from one of my clients. We've just had three sessions and she got a very substantial role in a huge public sector body in Northern Ireland. And um, she sent me like a WhatsApp message and I couldn't just type a message. I had to get a recorded message and I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. They don't know what they're getting in in you. They are so lucky to have you. And, you know, we went through that process. She was very experienced, but um, told herself a lot of stories about what she could do. Um, We we worked on her self-belief in terms of acknowledging her achievements so that she could truly speak up and believe what she was saying rather than thinking, oh my goodness, I'm a fraud and I shouldn't really be saying this. So it's acknowledging that that's a big part of... um, knowing of growing your confidence is taking self-awareness piece and actually yeah and had she come to you because she was going to go for this job was this to get no so how did this happen so she came to me um feeling deflated with the role that she was doing she it wasn't where her strengths were it wasn't giving her that energy um I mean it was an okay job Uh, again you know from the outside people would think she had a wonderful job but she didn't just didn't have that fire in her belly for it wasn't challenged not challenged the challenge is a big thing Mm -hmm. um and so we started off with you know the clarity piece like Mm -hmm. I said you know who are you what's important to you what do you want and very importantly what what do you not want yes you know because a lot of women come to me and they flitted from job to job without actually actively thinking about what they're doing and they feel they should want things yes Yes, not I should actually want things. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of times women will come to me, and it's not about the salary. Mm-hmm. It's about the impact and the legacy and the fulfillment. And um, so that's what we were working on. And in between time, she sent me a message just before Christmas, Nicola, I've seen this job, but I don't know whether I should go for it. And of course, what's my answer? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. You know, I said, put it in. If you get an interview, then we'll start working on, you know, how you're going to show Still up on the day. Still progress, even going, going yes. for the job. Yes, I said, even if you get an interview you don't want it, that's mm-hmm. fine. But, you know, you're, you're practicing this whole self-belief journey. And so she got the interview and um, worked with her over Christmas. Um, and it was interesting because um, we worked on her confidence for the interview. I didn't help her with any of her responses to the potential questions. It was competency-based. You know, that's her skill, that's yeah. her knowledge. But I worked with her on her confidence. And people tend to miss that when they're going for interviews. And it is absolutely your... your um, that's where you make the differentiation between you and all the equally competent candidates that show up in the day. Your confidence will be your weapon. So if somebody was perhaps thinking of pushing themselves forward, they could sign up 
to you. How many sessions would you normally have? Because that was wonderful in three sessions to have, have achieved so much. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a one, I actually have a power hour for, for confidence for interviews. Ah. In response to what I was saying, um, you know, people were coming and saying, Nicola, you can't be this interview. And I was like, oh, there's there's, <laughs> there's a service in That's this. really good to know. I am going to write that down. I will, there are people that ask me all the time, do you know anybody who helps with interview prep? So there we go, Nicola McGinnis Coaching. Um, uh, well, specifically, sorry, specifically, it's on your confidence, on confidence. not on the answers. No. And, you know, um, and so that is one service. But um, generally, so I start off with that internal piece, and that's four sessions. And that is all around your valley, values and your boundaries and um, your strengths and your self-belief, very much around that. And sometimes that's enough for people to say, do you know what, Nicola, I've got it. I'm going to take it from here. I've got all the techniques and the tools and I'm... I'm feeling so much more confidence Uh I'm off which is brilliant the second step in is in another four sessions and that's about the external piece so that's all around developing your personal brand so creating this lovely compelling story that you are confident to go out and speak about verbally and online and show up and be visible and that's a big part of career growth that showing up is massive and I hear that phrase again and again and being authentic at work and knowing that you can turn up and be who you are. A previous guest actually um, was talking to me about that very issue and he was working in an environment very corporate, suited and booted. It wasn't him at all but he had to play that role to get that job and yes that job then led on to something else where he, he could be outside in nature and wearing his jumper and his jeans, you know, so it was like, I now feel like I'm myself. Yeah, the, the authenticity piece is is a big, big, big thing in your career. And even more so now, you know, we talk about the psychological safety and bringing your whole self to work. And there is no, you know, work is life and life is work. Um, but a big thing that I help clients with is that self-promotion. And that's that being visible and being able to speak about yourself and, Back to that whole conditioning, society and conditioning, particularly around women, where we don't like to brag. Mm-hmm. And we hear phrases growing up, like self-praise is no praise. And there's lots of research to support all that, that both men and women don't like women who are assertive or women who speak up about their accomplishments and achievements. Mm-hmm. However, equally, there is research out there to show that women who do self-promote are twice as likely to get promoted and grow through their career so it's finding that authentic balance and I just looked at your social media last night and, and that was the post I think it was um you know self-promotion without feeling icky yeah. icky that's what it was <laughs> yes because it's like ah oh, whatever what's everybody going to think of me this is not me I feel a little bit false here and now with in the digital age where everybody has a social media presence and especially those introverted people, they find that really difficult. How do I do that? And oh, this is this is hard for me. This takes an awful lot of energy. Yeah, and it's not all about showing up online either. The, you know, there's there's other ways to do it, and it is a process that I take my clients through. So you can do things like success journaling, which builds your confidence, which then obviously builds your ability to speak verbally. Um, to someone because you believe in what you're saying um, you can set little small stretch goals for example like you're going into a meeting and you decide well I'm going to speak up at this meeting or I'm going to say yes I agree with that to let your presence be known you know really there's there's no such thing as a, an invisible business owner or an invisible leader it's part and parcel of the role but you have to find ways that work for you that and it is a bit of pushing yourself to do it and it is a bit of I have to do this because this is going to get me x y and z um you know again it's just back to our conditioning and I we've been made to 
not speak high of ourselves. And then for females, we're caught in this double bind where we want to be liked. So we want to be part of the tribe so we don't speak up and we don't mm-hmm. get assertive or whatever, or speak about our achievements. And then because we don't, we're not acknowledged for that. We don't get the recognition. So it's it's practicing the small things that work for you and set, setting those stretch goals that push you out of your comfort zone, but you know are going to serve you in the long run. So if someone uh, arrives and they're feeling lost or whatever, and you're doing the four sessions, which is all about who you are and what do you feel you want to achieve? At what point do you set goals? Is there homework every week? Yes, there is. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be weekly sessions. It's all led by the client, you know, how often they want to meet with them. Some are busy, some have big projects coming up, some might find they want more time to do the internal work because it is quite hard for example one of the exercises is to note down the negative voice inside your head over a period of a week so what are the stories you're telling yourself daily waking up in the morning oh I get I have to do this and I hate doing this and and that takes work and you need to get into that kind of habit you're not used to doing that work on yourself because you're so busy looking after everybody else so it's um, led by the client in terms of but yes there's, there's homework in between, in between each sessions, and again, it's up to the client to agree to it. I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm offering us, you know, a potential solution to help you move forward. If you want to take it forward, it's up to you. I mean, I'm asking all these questions. I'm actually completely sold on coaching. <laughs> I think everybody should have coaching. Everybody, even if it is four sessions, because the learning. And I've been through a coaching journey myself, and I want more. I just think it's so beneficial. And really, especially if you've got some blocks or barriers or, you know, life can deal all of these curveballs as well. And perhaps you don't feel like the same person as you were before and you just can't put your finger on it. Some people will come with very clear, I'm not achieving this or I feel that, but others don't even know what they're feeling. Yeah, and and I 100% agree with you, Sarah. As soon as I finished my own coaching sessions, that was the key point in my mind I thought everybody in this life needs a coach and I think that was the motivation then as well alongside people telling me I should be a coach to to do it because I saw the widespread need for it particularly in women very similar to me I suppose I coach women who were me five years ago that's my ideal client as such Um, and I remember my own coach saying to me you know Nicola you've got a wonderful story and I was like what I mean I'm just ordinary I don't have a story and it wasn't about the fact that I didn't have a big challenge to overcome or I had some major tragedy it was in the fact that what I was feeling was so widespread and that people could relate that affinity so relatable yeah yeah it was the normalness actually that made people go you're speaking to me because I feel like I'm listening to my own story and that is I think what makes you connect so well with your coaches because it could be quite daunting going in there and you know I have said it's not counselling but you have to dig deep and it can be quite an emotional journey too. I had a client one time and um, she said to me Nicola I've been to CBT practitioners I've been to counsellors and I'm uh, no way whatsoever they're hugely hugely important Um, she said to me I've I've dug so deep here that no one has ever asked me those questions and I've, I've got it all out and then we were able to take action on that but there is I suppose back to an earlier point I was trying to make in that it is a journey and people think that I'm going to help them find a wonderful job that's not my role my role is to find out who you are so that you can make the decisions and the actions for you to find that wonderful job Yes, you don't have a magic wand. You just, as you say, beautifully at the start, you're holding that mirror up to the person. And you very quickly, can or can you very quickly 
get the measure of someone. I mean, you've obviously been trained to do that, to see the type of person and all the different personality types that you, you can meet. Yeah, what, what I noticed was, you know, people will generally, we have a 15-minute clarity call as I to start off the thing and to see whether the relationship will work. You know, I might not be mm-hmm. the coach for you or they might not be the ide- ideal client for me, so that's very important. But clients generally come to me and they think they're the only ones facing that issue. Um, and it's not until... Either you join a network or you start talking about it and talking to me that I, you know, I can tell them they're not and that it is so common and there's absolutely hope and so much that they can do in order to move them from that feeling of being stuck. And, you know, often people will try to do things on their own, but we have too much emotion attached to where we are. We are, And I am a third party who can ask those questions without the emotion attached to it mm. to get us to think and to get us to answer and for them to be to give me an answer instead of sitting there and saying, no, yes, don't know. <laughs> and then the other thing with um, with coaching I found was the difference between what's real and what's perceived. I think this and this is the way it is. And I know that if I do that, this will happen. And well, hold on. Has that ever happened? Is that real? What evidence do you have of any of that? Nothing. (laughs) Yeah, that's the big, big part of it. It's applying perspective Mm -hmm. and questioning your assumptions about yourself Mm -hmm. and the situation. Huge part of it. And then, and that's the closed-mindedness of it. You know, they're coming to me closed-minded and I ask the question, it opens their mind. And so the next question is, so what action can you take? Or what small thing can you do to move yourself from that? And that's when they start thinking, oh yeah, when I can do this and this and this. And slowly but surely they're getting there. Can you coach yourself? Are there tips you can give to people or is it always better to have a conversation? Um, I I do try and coach my community in terms of I send out like a weekly newsletter and I'll ask a particular coaching questions and I'll say, go to a room and write the answers to this down, whether they do or not is another thing. Again, it's back to that whole accountability and what's important to them at that time. Um, I find I'm probably my own worst client, <laughs> you know, and sometimes I... Because I'm a coach, it doesn't mean that I've got it all together. This mm-hmm. is a journey and I'm, yeah. I'm growing as well and learning. Um, and my coaches teach me a lot as well. And so I can get into that you know, deep hole of self-doubt and um, negativity. What helps me is reminding myself, obviously, of the tools that I have in my tool belt, but also my community. I mean, because I'm in this coaching environment, I'm surrounded by colleagues who are coaches and I have some really close friends that I can send a message and say, hey, this is what happened, I'm feeling this. And they say, Nicola, you know what you have to do. <laughs> you know it all. <laughs> yeah. Applying it. Yes. But sometimes when we're, we just spiral a little, don't we? And we can, um, you know it all, but you're just not hearing it that day or not feeling it that day. What would you say to people if they were in that mindset? How do you get yourself back on track? Is there one question you can ask yourself? Oh, I didn't know you were going to ask this and I love it. Um, so yes, look, it's okay to feel our feelings. We obviously will. And, and it's okay to get into that deep area, but know that you can wallow in it and feel it for a certain amount of time and then know you have the tools to get out of it. The one question that I um, ask my clients to try and remember when they're in that situation is, what can I control? What is within my control? So something has happened at work and you are ruminating and you're playing it over and over in your head and you're getting worried about it and you're thinking the worst case scenario. What is within your control? So um, it's very much, you know, the outcome of it. This has happened. I can't live in the past anymore. So what's within, what action can I take to control how I'm feeling so I can stop thinking about it for a start because I have no control over what's going to happen from here. I can go for a walk step away from the situation you know um there are lots of techniques but that question even writing that question down 
Yeah. Takes you away from the thinking in your head. Uh-huh. And there's always, there are certain things you can't control, like the pandemic, and a lot of people yeah. struggle during that. There was nothing, but there were certain things you could do within your own little bubble at the time or that you could just move forward ever so slightly to control something to make it better. Absolutely. In the pandemic, you could see people were thinking, oh, look, they're not isolating and they're, they're not wearing their mask. And we can get very hung up on you know, things that are out of your control. But what can you do about the situation? Well, maybe you can isolate and you can wear your mask. You cannot control other the people. Judging. The that judging. That was massive, yeah. wasn't it? Ooh. <laughs> um, it's so interesting talking to you about the coaching. But let's talk to you about, um, before we, we finish up today, about running the business. How has it been going from the public sector, where you were there forever and a day, <laughs> to now running your own business, to being self-employed. I know you're a mum of four children, uh, very busy, I'm sure, but what's your work-life balance like? Ooh, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. And I, um, it's better because I was actually running my business and maintaining my full-time job. Ah, to the you stage. were doing the two yeah. at the same time. And it got to the stage where, look, I couldn't do it. I was silly hours in the morning, late at night, weekends. And I really wasn't present for the children in my home life um, and the guilt that came with that as well. But it allowed you to build that up to see, have you got something worth you know, doing? So you didn't give up the, the job straight away. You ran the two side by side. Yes. So it wasn't a bad move no. in any way, shape or form. Um, and it gave me the confidence you know, to, to grow my own expertise, I suppose. Um. But sooner or later, that decision had to be made. And it was probably, I'm going to be 100% honest here, the most difficult conversation I've ever had to have with my husband. You know, I mean, I was obviously putting everything that at risk. We're a two-income family, mortgage, all the things that come with having four children. Um, and I was going from whatever salary to, to zero, basically. Um, so a, an unbelievably huge risk. And as females, we're not... We're very risk averse and we're the, the logical ones. And, you know, I was never, I could never foresee myself as being an entrepreneur. You know, I was like, I do my nine to five job. I like the security of it. I like being told what to do. I like doing my job and closing off for the day. So this whole entrepreneurial idea was like, that's that's for my brother. He, you know, he had very early sparks of being an entrepreneur from a young age. And that's what he does. And this is what I do. Peter McCall, <laughs> who was with Pearlie. He's also been a former guest on this. Yes, he's definitely an entrepreneur. <laughs> so you could see, you know, that's who he is and that's who I was. So to even get my mind to jump that far ahead that, right, you're going to be an entrepreneur here. You're going to be your own boss. And Even about the language that you were using about yourself, because yeah. uh, you're talking to me now and I'm listening with a coaching head on and thinking there's somebody who says, I have to talk to my husband because I'm going to do this and this will, you know, effectively change our family. And, mm-hmm. and yet maybe if he was coming to you and saying, I want to be an entrepreneur, it probably would have been the same conversation. But would people have been as likely to judge him as you? Sarah, honestly, and of course I was thinking, what am I doing to the family, um, the kids, you know, my responsibilities for this, I'll have to change this, I'll have to do that. All of those things went through my head, but very likely would not have went through my husband's head if he had made that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, How did he greet the news? Yeah, he, you know, it, it wasn't easy for him to accept that, because ultimately we were setting our, sa- in terms of income, we were probably setting ourselves back maybe 20 years, Le- you know, removing an income from the family. Whew. And we decided we'd give it a year. Mm-hmm. But I knew in my head. <laughs> could you have gone back? Was there a revolving door? Or was I could have taken a career break. Have. That decision was made in my mind. There was okay. no going back. And it was. And also, what I told myself was, if this didn't work, I could get a job anywhere. Of I could work anywhere, could. you know. Of course you could. But I also told myself, 
this will be a success. And I had to walk the talk, Sarah. I was working with women and telling them to take those risks. And so I had to be that. I had to have that ultimate test and self-belief in myself. So honestly, how has it gone? Um, Absolutely amazing in terms of the energy and the opportunities. Um, But I'm not going to, you know... um, Kind of, there was bad days, days where I didn't even know where my next paycheck was coming from, or I didn't have any work, or that question, so what have, have I done? Regular salary coming in every month. No, and that was a big cash learning flow. Point. Exactly, that's the key: the cash flow and the mindset. And that's why I needed the support of my partner, my husband, and um, my, my tribe around me to help me through those difficult mindset days. Um, and I'm I'm fairly good with money; I can manage that away. But and and also walking the talk in terms of self-promotion so those months that I didn't have work I was thinking what can I do who do I know who can I contact and I so I worked my network in in a way that women often are averse to doing because they don't like asking people for help or they feel they're imposing and I was like nope I just gotta do it 450 customers right there potentially (laughs) yeah yeah well I tend not to mix you know because that's one side of me and and the other and of course there's an overlap and and I have a great network because of that to be fair you know my name's fairly well known so given you've been all about self-promotion today I'm going to get you to talk the talk now and walk the walk um tell us if somebody's listening to this now and would like to consider coaching why they should pick up the phone well, I'm going to maybe tell you a story about me and, and how that relates. And hopefully, again, in terms of the widespread uh, feeling within people is my reason for changing careers and going into coaching was this huge fear of regret. This idea that looking back on my retirement, you know, why did you not do what you should have done? And so for me, that fear of regret was always bigger than the fear of not trying. And so for people who are feeling stuck and they, they're undecided about going to a coach and uh, this probably sounds a bit corny but it is absolutely an investment in you that you wouldn't even think twice of in buying those 160 pound runners for the child um you know that is going to pay off in the long run every minute that you're wasting staying where you are unfulfilled you are you know time's going to pass anyway whether you do something about your career or not so it's ultimately how important is it to you that you get this life this kind of second act of being joyful and fulfilled and making an impact and leaving a legacy and if that's important to you then it's time to take action and to call in the experts (laughs) absolutely and let's talk bottom line as well though can you make a living well, I mean, I have been able to, I suppose, keep our heads above water in terms of giving up that salary and, you know, maintaining the income. But I have big ambitions and I, and I want to grow. And it's absolutely not about the money for me. It's about seeing um, this widespread issue and, and helping yeah. women live a joyful life Um but obviously this lovely sidebar of income will help do that. And what's next for you then? What are the plans? So in the last half of um, last year, I got very much into leadership training. So I'm working with a lot of corporates and and helping them um, work with their teams and coaching and also personal branding and working with their female talent as well as the the, the whole of the organisation. And I want to do more collaboration, Sarah. You know, there's lots of other female entrepreneurs out there who whose work is very much aligned to mine. So if we did an event and a woman rocks up, they're going to get the most out of their day they could possibly get. I love working with other female entrepreneurs um, that, that our work is so aligned to each other. 
Now, the purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering insight into the success of businesses such as Nicola McGuinness Coaching. What advice then, Nicola, would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? I think I know the answer to this one. Yeah, we did. We talked about the risk and I suppose back to that phrase of, you know, make your fear of not trying bigger than your fear of regret um, and don't go it alone. So build up your network even now before you take that step. Go out, join the likes of Lean In, join Women in Business, um, start getting visible, start you know, working on your LinkedIn profile, getting your name out there. I remember when I started, I literally started my business the day after I finished the training. I wasn't even fully qualified, but I set up my website, set up my social media. I remember getting like 25 likes in the first up to 12 o'clock that day and I was so excited you know to celebrate that little small success it's all about the small successes so what are the small steps you can take that are maybe not as risky as going the whole hog and, and leaving your job um, and then getting a mentor is hugely important you know don't go it alone have the people there to support you Nicola McGuinness, thank you so much for being a guest on the Public Eye podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and for helping all of us think a little differently about ourselves going forward. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you again for the next episode of the Public Eye podcast. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.